Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This is the FCB Radio Network, home of the best personalities and where real talk lives. Online at FCBRadio.com. FCB. This is the Jeff, Lori, and Nick Show on the FCB Radio Network. The Jeff, Lori, and Nick Show is an informative talk show focused on finding solutions. Our show's purpose is to provide healthy discussions that lead to building stronger communities and a stronger nation through promoting more conservative principles business, and bringing people together. We are happy to have with us today uh, our co-host, Nick. Nick, how are you today? I'm doing fine, Jeff. How are you? Good, Nick. And also, we have an incredible guest today, uh, Neil Harrison, who is the CFO of C4 Shooting and Training Center. It's a gun range. Uh, So welcome to our show, Neil. How are you today? Great. Um, thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Neil, we are having, we're living at a time where there's so much going on. We're having so many incidents involving guns and, you know, we're dealing with rising crime. And it seems like every time, well, I guess we'll get into that, but uh, we keep hearing cries about, uh, different cries about how to solve uh, the problem of guns. So this is a very timely uh time to have this discussion about um, your business. Uh, You're the CFO, Chief Financial Officer of C4 Shooting and Training Center. First of all, Neil, what motivated you to open a gun range? Well, we actually purchased an existing facility, but my friends and I um, had always kind of wanted to do something by ourselves. We felt that we could bring a change to the industry. Um, Mike Bordelon and Scott Graham were uh, two people who worked. uh, We worked all together to develop this company and find investors and everything. And, you know, we were really trying to change the firearms industry from the the smoke-filled, dingy gun range where you can't walk in and ask the question without feeling like uh, you were, you know, in trouble with your father to a, a open facility that where you can have conversations and you can ask the questions you think might be stupid questions because there's never stupid questions on these stupid answers. That's right. How many gun ranges are there uh, around? Uh, 
are, are you the only one in your area? Or? Well, we are the only one in the area that offers what we offer, which is trap, skeet, pistol, rifle, flag stands, boarding plays, um, training competitions to the public. There are multiple private ranges in the area. There is also indoor ranges, but nowhere that you can do all of those and have a full day of shooting and training. That's awesome. Uh, would you say that more people are um, getting or are attending gun ranges now um, for fun and for other reasons? Well, with the uptick of CCW permits and all of the social unrest and concerns that you were alluding to earlier, more people have chosen to exercise their Second Amendment rights. And a lot of those people have chosen to be very responsible about it by seeking out practice, training, and education. So we have been seeing more people come to us, and that's good. And we hope that those who haven't are seeking training and education elsewhere so that we can exercise these rights responsibly. Can you give us your thoughts about the rise in violent crimes that are oftentimes um, committed with, with a gun? Well, yeah, I've been giving some thought to that. And, you know, I found some statistics that were recent saying that, unfortunately, suicide is the largest percentage of gun crime that occurs in the United States, which, you know, I think that fundamentally, the issue isn't necessarily the firearms themselves. I myself am around firearms every single day and have been off and on for the last three years. I, I see hundreds and thousands of people every year who participate with firearms in activities that are safe and have not caused injury to themselves or others. For me, the problem isn't the firearms themselves. The problem is the underlying issues that are harder to, to address, the mental health issues, the poverty issues. I feel like the firearms are just convenient tools to be used by people who either want to hurt themselves or others. And I don't think that removing everyone's rights is a way to solve these issues. I think that the best way is for us to have the difficult conversations to address the poverty in South Chicago to address the mental health issues of soldiers returning home. And I truly wish that some of these anti-firearms campaigns would spend more of their funds trying to solve those problems than trying to tell everyone that every gun is evil. Absolutely. I grew up in a home where everyone had a gun. Um, even my, my grandmother, I remember her, um, her her gun she had a small pistol that she always kept and uh you know my dad my mom i i just grew up in a home where everyone believed in protecting themselves with a gun um do you think that we have this rise in crime because of gun ownership i, I was looking at some statistics and the number of guns uh, the increase in gun ownership has been really dramatic. And would you say that, um, and I'm talking about uh, legal gun ownership, would you say that 
this is a good trend or something that we should be concerned about? Well, I don't think that it is a concerning trend at all. Um, for me, one of the things that makes a salient point for why legal gun ownership and adequate training is the best solution to deter crime is the numbers that don't get reported. We get to see the numbers of crimes that occur, but we don't get to see the number of crimes that were deterred by a woman walking alone and having her pistol, by a single mom being at home and scaring off the robber with a shotgun. Whilst those are anecdotal, I think fundamentally every citizen's right to defend themselves is in the Constitution for a reason. So more people becoming educated and legally and properly owning firearms is not a concerning trend at all. I, I, I think it's very encouraging. Absolutely. I agree with you, Dick. I think Nick uh, has another question for you. Oh, oh sure. Thanks, Jeff. Uh, yeah. So, Neil, um, I was wondering, it, it seems to me uh, when I look at the at the gun debate, at the gun conversation, that almost everything is motivated by, to some degree or another, by fear. Um, I, like I notice a lot of people, for example, when I've discussed, you know, people who are perhaps anti-gun, if you want to use that term, uh, will, you know, I could summarize their beliefs basically in one sentence, and it is guns scare me, like in, in quotes. Um, what role do you think fear plays in this and how... How can we navigate through that? I mean, because I do think also on the other side, perhaps, you know, a lot of people do purchase guns because they get scared um, and they want to defend themselves. And I mean, it just seems to me as if when fear is a motivator on both sides, you tend to have some conflict. Um, I'm, I'm just wondering if you could speak on that a little bit. Of course. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with you. Um, fear is a key motivator in our daily lives. And it all is about how we challenge that fear into the actions that we take to mitigate it. So a, a firearm is a tool. You know, it's no different than a knife. It's no different than a crossbow. It's all about your motive in using it. So for people who are afraid of them and for the people who purchase them because they're afraid, the answer in my mind is the same thing. It boils down to education. We have to educate those people who legally choose to own firearms so that they own them responsibly. And we have to educate those people who are scared of firearms to realize the truth about the firearms available to the public themselves, and also to realize how restrictions on firearms only truly hurt those people who are in the greatest need. So whenever a government regulates a product, that regulation increases its cost. So it means that it's not the rich, successful people who are barred from access. It means it's the single mom working five jobs who needs to protect her kids at night or the person who just doesn't have enough money but is in a bad neighborhood. Those people are the ones who are always hurt the most by any form of regulation. So education for us is the answer to all of this so that people can understand what's actually going on and how to actively use firearms in a safe fashion. I think that one of the worst things um, that I see, anytime there is a mass shooting or 
uh, a horrible incident where there was a firearm used, the first thing you hear is from our uh, uh, national leaders is gun control. Um, and that's not the answer. Gun control is not the answer. And, you know, we hear it all the time. Guns don't shoot people. People shoot people. So the sad thing is, uh, and you can tell me if, we're, if I'm wrong here, but aren't we in danger of losing this freedom of the Second Amendment? Well, in my mind, losing isn't where we're going to end up. Erosion is where we are. So back to, again to the regulation, it's the barriers that are put in place. It is the, the, the licensing, the permitting, the removal of certain classifications of certain types. It's whittling it down so that ultimately, in the end, the only person who can afford the lawyer to draft the right paperwork so you can purchase a firearm is going to be someone who has the $100,000 in fees, which is a complete antithesis of what these rights are for. Um, I like to compare the Second Amendment to the First Amendment whenever we have those horrible incidences. And I think to myself, what types of language would be used by those who are in the media who can't do basic research or call a gun shop to get a single solitary answer so that they know that, you know, a shock attachment isn't something that comes on an AR-15. If we were talking about restrictions on First Amendment rights in the same vein, because both of them are so important to our society and both of them inform each other because a minority that is armed is a minority that is less easily oppressed, as we see around the world on a daily basis. So the protection of yourself and the protection of your rights is something that people need to keep an eye on, but it has always been eroded by a slippery slope. So we have to find where we want to stand and stand there and say, this is as far as we're going to go and no more. Absolutely. We're going to take a quick break. Thank you, Neil, for uh, joining us today. And this with this important discussion on on, on your um, on, on gun ownership and the freedom of that we have with the Second Amendment to uh, own guns and to be educated. We're going to ask our audience just to stay right with us and we'll be right back. These days, it seems like everybody's talking, but no one is actually listening to the things they're saying. Critical thinking isn't dead, but it's definitely low on oxygen. Join me, Kira Davis, on Just Listen to Yourself every week as we reason through issues big and small, critique our own ideas, and learn to draw our talking points all the way out to their logical conclusions. Subscribe to Just Listen to Yourself with Kira Davis, an FCB radio podcast on Apple, on Spotify, iHeart, or wherever you get your podcasts. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This is the Jeff, Lori, and Nick show on the FCB Radio Network. Thank you to our audience for staying with us. And 
we're back with our guest, Neil Harrison, who's the CFO for at C4 Shooting and Training Center in Madison, Ohio. Uh, we were talking about uh, violent crime and, 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 and gun ownership. Right now, I know one of the largest groups, uh, fastest growing groups that's been purchasing guns and going to gun ranges has been black women. And, and that's really, uh, it's, it's a very positive thing. Neil, you want to speak to that? Oh, yeah, I think it's an amazing trend. Um, we have multiple uh, African-Americans come to our range on multiple occasions for their CCW and their training. And just, uh, I, I personally think it's a great continuation of the history from the 60s where you had um, groups in California that were actively trying to prevent police violence and were actively showing up to secure the rights of uh, African-Americans being pulled over. Um, it is a wonderful thing to see in my mind. And I truly think that the more people who participate in this right, the better understood it'll be. However, it is interesting to see that there are a lot of claims from uh, the side that is against firearms that more restrictions is the answer. We have seemingly more incidents of mass shootings and seemingly more incidents of crime now than we did when restrictions on firearms were lessened to the point where you could order a Tommy gun in the mail in the 30s. You know, whilst I'm not advocating for that right now, I think that we've reached the pinnacle of restrictions and we might have even gone over it. And I don't think that increasing restrictions on firearms is going to deter crime any further. Neil, I agree with you 100%. And I think it's, it's almost a cop-out to say, um, it, it's almost like saying, we don't have any solutions. We don't know how to reduce crime. We're not going to take a strong position on violent crime. We're just going to say, take away the guns of people, people that obey the law. Um, and we're going to control and regulate who can have a gun which doesn't make any sense when a criminal is one who breaks the law, they're going to break the law and find a way anyway to, to, to get a gun, to ha have an illegal handgun. So it doesn't, it's a, it's a senseless, weak argument. Would you agree? It's an emotion field argument that doesn't address the underlying realities that exist, whether it be a firearm, a knife, or a truck full of ammonia, nitrate, and diesel. People who want to commit crimes and commit huge, horrific acts are going to find a way to do those things. Limiting people who are only trying to defend themselves is only going to create more victims for those people. And I agree with you completely, Jeff. It's an emotional argument that taps into the easiest thing instead of actually addressing the education issues, the poverty issues, the mental health issues that we all know are truly driving these types of horrible instances. That is where we're failing. Yeah, it seems like, and, and there's also another aspect of it, communication. When people don't understand and, and, and conflict resolution, which is a part of communication, when people don't understand how to resolve something or how to communicate um, or don't, don't understand the other person's view. 
or, or their position, when there's intolerance, that's what leads to, um, and also just crime. That's what leads to these, um, th these deaths and homicides. Um, and, and again, that's the, um, why it's so important to elect judges and who will crack down on crime, who aren't soft on crime, um, who will look up, uh, elect people to office, who will make sure that you're, you live in a safe community, that law enforcement is upheld, uh, and there's good relationships with law enforcement. And Neil, could you speak to that? Well, I'd agree with your point completely. You know, it, it is a holistic issue. It's not like you can walk into a pawn shop in downtown Cleveland, buy a firearm, and you're instantly a criminal. There are lots of complicated factors that go into that. And to boil crime down to a single issue that ultimately violates the rights of other people is, is just asinine, in my opinion. It's not going to be easy work. It's going to be difficult work. But if we truly want to help people, we need to do the difficult work. Absolutely. That, that's, I agree. That's the heavy lifting. That's the responsibility that we all have as citizens to, number one, understand, um, understand this issue. Um, and, and also, I think that all of us need to take the stand against violent crimes the individuals who commit the crimes, not the law-abiding citizens who, who can own any type of gun, go to any type of, uh, go to any gun range, um, have any type, own any type of gun they want to protect their homes. And again, I came up in a home where everyone, all, you know, my um, parents had a gun, you know, everyone owned a gun. So, um, this is kind of agree. I, I agree with you. It's somewhat uh, um, asinine to say that we must throw up our hands and cry out gun control when you don't have a solution. Our, our, elected, our elected representatives have to do better. I agree. And education, once again, truly, I cannot overemphasize how important that is. We have multiple generations of children who are being raised on Hollywood gun control and Hollywood depictions of firearms. You know, the, the weapon that does never needs to be reloaded or someone who gets shot and walks 500 miles. To, these are not realistic depictions. Um, that's why it's very important to us. We offer free monthly education classes where anyone can come. They get become acquainted with all the different kinds of firearms and they're able to allay some of the fears. And it's the same thing with youth. Um, we have a summer camp that is free where we have multiple um, people under the age of 18 who come to experience every different shooting discipline so that their education is from a place of practice and reality and not something dreamed up in a Hollywood writer's book. Like I have two kids myself, and one of the things that I always practice is demystifying the firearms. If my five-year-old has a question about a firearm, whether it be the one on my hip or the shotgun we have for home defense, I stop what I'm doing, I clear the weapon, and I safely go over her questions 
so that she realizes that it's a tool for defense that can be deadly if used so that it's not something locked away that's a mystery that she's going to want to play with with her friends. I was just going to ask you, when do you feel it's it's uh, okay to talk to children about guns? What age would you say? A lot of kids are interested in, in, in going hunting. They see their, their parents going hunting and, and, and so forth. So kind of speak to that if you would. Oh, of course. I, I have kids, my business partners and shareholders, they all have children. And I, for me personally, I would say that it is when the child starts to ask and shows an interest. I, I don't think that there can be a prescribed rule, a perfect number that, you know, at five and three quarters, you can ask this child. It, it's just about removing the mystery and letting them know how important safety is and how deadly these weapons are, just like you would a car. You, a, a car is something that could kill multiple people if you mishandle it, including your family. You just have to be responsible and discuss the weapons with them in a responsible fashion so that it's not like the liquor locked up in the cabinet that I'm sure everyone listening broke into and drank when they shouldn't have. That is the key key thing. Neil, I, I love what you're saying. In other words, every person, every community ought to be responsible and to fight crime and to protect themselves and their freedoms that we all have as Americans, especially this Second Amendment, but also all the other freedoms that we have. Nick? Um, yeah, sure. I guess this is more of a, a utilitarian question, but I'm just curious, um, Neil, by your estimation, what per, what do you see? Um, do you see a threat from the emergence of 3D printing? Do you think that's going to be a danger in the future? I mean, I know like one of the first publicized things that happened when 3D printing <laughs> became a thing was that there was the I can't remember his name, but the guy who was 3D printing a plastic gun. Um, do you see that as being a, a, a political issue in the future? Oh, well, I'm sure it'll be a political issue in the future because, you know, it's an it's an easy target. It's once again, going back to that fear and emotion. But the thing that people need to realize is that no matter what you do or what rules you pass, any enterprising human being has the means and capability of manufacturing a firearm, whether it be 3D printing or with pipes or tools. And there's a museum, I don't know where it's located, but it is full of weapons that were manufactured by inmates in prison, and they include firearms. So a prison is a place that every moment of every second of every day of these people's lives, they're potentially monitored by someone to stop them from doing something bad. And in that place where surveillance is far past what Orwell dreamed up for Big Brother, people are still able to manufacture functioning firearms. So a 3D printer, it might make it easier for some, but it's not going to truly change the dynamic at all. It's just going to be a easy political target so that not only can we put more restrictions on Second Amendment rights, we're now talking about First Amendment rights because you can't have that information. You're not allowed to know that knowledge, which I don't agree with it all. Neil, I'll tell you, 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 you've been really informing our audience and 
how can people learn more about gun safety? Do you have some type of program or some type of outreach or opportunity for our audience to learn more about gun safety? Oh, absolutely. Every month we do a free class um, that's open to the public. Our facility is open to the public. You can just go to our Facebook and find us, or you can go to our website, c4shootcenter.com, and that's always listed up there along with uh, innumerable other events that we do for charities and other firearms groups. And we're open to conversations. If you message us on the page or on Facebook and you have questions, we'll gladly help facilitate you getting the right answer, whether it be from us or someone else that we know. The free class that you have once a month, is that uh, during the week, Monday through Friday, or when's that held? It's Monday through Friday um, as of right now, but we are mutable on the times. If we have a demand for a weekend class, we will arrange classes whenever people would like to have them, because for us, it is about making sure that the right kind of education is available to everyone who wishes to receive it. What age range is this available Anyone who can stand the English language. It, it is not an active shooting class. It is just informational. This is what a semi-automatic rifle is. This is what a semi-automatic pistol is. It's truly just a basic 101, hold this firearm safely kind of class. This is for um, families. Is it okay for families to come? And, and it's okay for families, Democrats, anyone. Anyone can come. Yeah. <laughs> It doesn't matter what your or sex is, your political persuasion, race, anyone can come. Anyone can come because education is the only way we're going to be able to have meaningful conversations about the issues that exist. So it's open to anyone. I, I, I would invite those people listening on other planets to please come and visit our gun ranger. We will train you about firearms. Okay. How can our audience find out more about your range, C4 Shooting and Training Center? Well, our website and Facebook pages are the best place to go. So the website is c4shootcenter.com or just Google C4 Shooting and Training. I know we're the top list. So, Okay. And that's c4shootcenter.com. That's correct. C4, that's the number four, shootcenter.com. Okay. Yep. Well, we're just about out of time. I believe Nick has uh, final comments and then we're going to wrap it up. Nick. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I, um, it, all the information you've provided is, is very interesting. Um, I, just out of curiosity. I mean, I know this is probably something I should have asked earlier, but if, if when we look at uh, the price of a firearm, um, you, you know, like the, the famous one, the AR 15 is obviously very expensive. Uh, is this, how much of that cost is due to manufacturing and how much of it is just due to the stuff you mentioned before, like the permits, the taxation, the regulations and so on. I mean, because you mentioned how the cost of firearms continues to go up over time in advance of inflation um, due to a lot of these measures. Is yeah, the, the, Regulation and compliance cost, whilst I haven't done any kind of study, I wouldn't be surprised if it was comparable to the manufacturing cost because it's aluminum. It's, a, it's aluminum and labor. 
that's pretty much all it is. Like I know that there are people who construct their own ARs by purchasing uh, registered lower receivers and barrels, and they can get one for less than a thousand dollars. So if you the same comparable weapon is then available on gun broker, let's say for fifteen hundred, then that means over five hundred dollars is paying lawyers and compliance and all of those other things that go into the increased rules that have been put in place on those weapons. And when it comes to manufacturing firearms, there are so many more laws that we haven't even talked about or discussed today that are in place that go all the way up to the state department. So mm. it gets expensive. All right. Well, thank you so much. Uh, this show has been very informative. Neil, I, I think you've shared so much with our audience and with us that we just weren't aware of. And again, uh, I'd like to thank our, we're out of time. We'd like to thank our show's producer, Darby O'Morrow, Nick, uh, co-host, Lori's uh, not with us today. She is actually uh, on a movie set today. So um, much success to, to Lori. Neil, thank you again. And we're gonna thank our audience most of all. And remember audience and, and all of us, uh, let's keep fighting the good fight. And let's all remember that we can all do better to make this country a better place to live for all of us. Thank you. God bless you. The FCB Radio Network, first class broadcasting worldwide.